Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Tim Hortons launching Tim Bid's breakfast cereal. Are you in? Isn't this what happens? You know, I'm saying this to Will. Isn't this what happens when uh, your Tim, your box of Tim Bits goes stale, and then you just dump them into a bowl of milk? Ain't that the same sort of thing? But then, as Will pointed out, how often is there uh, a box of Tim Bits that hang around so long that they go stale? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Bu- that's a good point too. Uh, apparently, they have partnered with, uh, partnered with Post Foods. And uh, have uh, inspired the cereal. Uh, Tim Bits comes in a couple of different flavors. Uh, birthday cake. Uh, the cereal, based on the tiny donuts, has been on the menu since about 1976. One chocolate glaze flavor and one birthday cake flavor, or flavor rather, is, uh, is what they're starting with. To talk more about all of this, is this a good move? Is this good for the brand? Does it expand the brand? Or... Is it a brand that has lost its focus? Let's bring in Marvin Ryder, business professor at the Group School of Business, McMaster University. He is with us now. Marvin, thank you for the time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Fresh out of class, so I'm ready to go. Oh, you must be firing on all eight cylinders here. All right, Marvin, uh, there was a a damning article in the National Post a few days ago in regard to Tim Hortons, basically comparing them to the new Coke and and the experiment of taking uh, the old Coca-Cola formula, dumping it and putting a new one in, and then eventually bringing it back, saying that that's what they should do with Tim's. Has Tim's, Tim's tried, is Tim's trying to be something other than what we all love it for? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of different ways to play that. The story of new Coke and then old Coke uh, is where you tamper with a core, critical, central product. And in this case, uh, they had always feared Pepsi-Cola, Pepsi-Cola always seemed to be a little sweeter, a little lighter, so they said, well, let's come out with one in 50-50 in a taste test. People preferred the one flavor to the other, so let's do this. And, of course, I would say that was a total misunderstanding of what the research was telling them, and they were lucky in this case. They took the iconic version off the market. People demanded it, came back. They put it back, and people came back. It's really quite amazing. In the case of Tim Hortons, I think what we've got here is what I call experimenting around the edge. And good companies, and certainly from a marketing standpoint, are always playing a little bit with their marketing strategy. Let me give you an example that's not the Timbit cereal, and that would be the Roll Up the Rim to Win contest. It's an iconic contest. It's been around a long time. It's about to start up again. It always starts up in February. But it's, it's been the same concept over and over and over again. And today, with more people with smartphones and technology, I think it's time for a bit of a refresh on that. In the case of Tim Hortons itself, it's got iconic products, whether it's donuts or Timbits or whether you go there for the cookies or the muffins or some of the other things. But if you just stay static, there's a danger that you're going to be seen as old-fashioned. So you do need to experiment. Now, a year ago, they added uh, those uh, Beyond Meat products to their product line. and went, oh, good for you. You're experimenting with something quietly, very quietly, in August of last year, they removed them from their menu, suggesting that the experiment didn't go very well. Uh, And if I can draw another parallel, a company that loves to experiment with its product line is McDonald's, who frequently brings in limited edition or short-term run products to see if anything catches on. Do you remember the shamrock shakes that yep. come out? Yep. Well, they're not part of the regular menu, but they're seen. Or the McRib sandwich that hmm. came and went and came and went. Uh, sometimes it's the Angus uh, cheddar melt or whatever it happens to be. Now it's those, the Big Mac with bacon. Right, right. But those are experiments, 
and you see how the people respond, and if enough people respond, you say, okay, time for me to adjust my menu. And that's the case with this, um, this cereal. The cereal isn't only going to be available at Tim Hortons stores. The Tim, uh, the, the Tim Bit cereal will be available in grocery stores. I've actually heard someone already today tell me they saw it in Costco. Uh, and it's really aimed at, at kids, so those sweet marshmallow-filled types yep. of cereals. That's what it's going after. Will enough people want it? I don't know, and it may very well fail, uh, but they, they've taken a gamble and they've learned. Remember Keurig's, the, the coffee systems, yep. they now sell you Tim's Coffee and the Keurig, and that yes. actually has worked well for them. So these experiments, if you don't do them, you don't know how they're going to work out. Uh, that being said, many have said that Tim Hortons is not what it used to be. Uh, obviously, that's true, certainly from management position. But even as far as baking the donuts in the store, uh, the coffee obviously se- seems to be great. Uh, the Keurig experiment, is, as you've said, has, has seemed to work for them. But are they providing less of a product, less of what people expect from them? Yeah, so here's, here's again one of those interesting questions. Uh, is it that you're losing the race or is somebody else winning the race? And when Tim Hortons was its most iconic, they really had a, a virtual monopoly on the market. Uh, there was a new entrant, and this probably goes back almost 10 years ago, and that was McDonald's and the McCafe. And they have worked very, very hard, I have to give McDonald's full credit, to change the landscape. So at the same time that uh, Tim Hortons does the roll-up-the-rim-to-win contest, McDonald's will often offer you either free cups of coffee or a buck a cup uh, coffee. You only pay a dollar and you get your coffee. And there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, I'm most likely going to roll up the rim and find SAA Encore or try again. Uh, hmm, do I go for the gamble to win a prize or do I take the sure pocketing of the $1 cup of coffee or even the free cup of coffee? And so McDonald's has eaten into their market. I don't think I would say Starbucks has done the same. Starbucks has gone for that premium cup of coffee. That was never where Tim Hortons was competing. But in that basic, I'm on my way to the hockey game, I want to get a cup of coffee, McDonald's is now somebody that wasn't there 10 years ago. And that's another reason why you're forced to innovate. Now, I'm not about to say this company is a death knell for this company, but yes, year over year, store sales are stagnant. They're not growing, even though they've tried some different things. So it says they still need to keep working at it to keep themselves relevant in the marketplace. How does Starbucks fit into this equation? Are they, uh, meaning Tim Hortons, are they a appealing to the young that Starbucks seems to be appealing to? Well, to give you a couple of examples, we we have a Starbucks on campus. We also have a Tim Hortons on campus. uh, And it is interesting to see Mm. how the students react to this. When they're coming to a 9.30 a.m. class, they've got a cup of Tim Hortons. They just need a jolt. uh, But then in the afternoon, it's more likely a Vante uh, mocha frappiato because <laughs> I need a little treat in the afternoon. Yeah. And, and students, even though we think of them as starving students, still buy the affordable luxury. I need to give myself a little treat, so I'll do it through the cup of coffee. And it really depends upon your, your time period. Now, in that sense, uh, Starbucks really competes against people like Second Cup or some of these, uh, um, uh, I don't want to try to give all the names, but yeah. these, these little roasting companies right. that only do small batches but then charge you $6 a cup. That's that market, and there's a place for that, but it's not the coffee on the way to the hockey game. It's that I need a little treat. I need a little something 2.30 in the afternoon to pick me up, and I'll spend a little extra money. And there's room for both of them in the marketplace. What happens when something, a chain, a franchise that has been known primarily for its coffee and its donuts then tries to do sandwiches? 
Well, they did that because they, they were some people who would come to a Tim Hortons and just sit there. So uh, I'm not, again, trying to pick on people. I know there are some seniors groups, for instance, that will often take a mid-morning coffee break and sit there. And there would be people who said, you know, I feel like a bite of something. What have you got? Oh, I, I don't necessarily want that sweet muffin or that sweet donut. Too bad you didn't have a sandwich or a bowl of chili. So they experimented with that, and clearly they've been getting enough people to make that worthwhile. Likewise, Tim Hortons has experimented with all-day breakfast, and they've added all-day breakfast sandwiches, and that seems to have done well with them. So I think you have to realize that consumers never stay stagnant. Our needs and wants are constantly evolving, and you have to keep evolving your concept with them. The only real question around the leadership of, of Tim Hortons is this change that happened, and I guess now that's five years ago, when the Brazilian company came in and bought it, made it Restaurant Brands International, did the merger with, uh, with um, Burger King, but left them as separate entities, and they replaced some of the, if you call it, homegrown talent with some imported talent from other places. And do they understand it the same way? There have been some questions on it, but I think in the last year and a half, They've been able to get some harmony with the franchisees. There were problems on that front. I think they've got that sorted out. There were problems when they tried to do the minimum wage. Remember some of the franchisees said, mm-hmm. oh, well, we're going to you know, cut back on health benefits and we're not going to pay you to take a break and what have you. I think they've got that solved. But I think for the, for the relatively new managers that came from outside of the country, there was a learning curve that they've gone down. I think they're there. But during that time period, they gave up a little ground. Now the question is, can they get it back? Uh, You talked about the experiment with the Starbucks and the Tim Hortons on campus. Is this a demographic problem? Is this an issue as the aging population moves through? It's not the aging population, Scott. It's the the young population who are delaying things like marriage. So Mm. I like to call them urban. Now, how does Starbucks respond to this? In Toronto, not in Hamilton, But in Toronto, after about 8 o'clock at night, you can go to Starbucks, don't get a cup of coffee, you get a glass of wine and a beer and a tapas tasting menu. Now, they haven't done it in all their Starbucks, but in urban areas, people who live in condos, what I like to describe as little boxes of air, often don't (laughs) like those little boxes of air, and at night they want to get out of those boxes of air and, and, you know, walk around their neighborhood. But they don't necessarily want a coffee because, of course, they're going to sleep. Coffee will keep me up. And so uh, Starbucks has played in those urban environments, and I think it's the urban environments where Tim Hortons fares the, the worst. Um, again, you might remember that Tim Hortons tried an experiment, I'm going to say it was about a year ago at this time, in a downtown Toronto location where you could get Uber deliveries and you could get these other things. And they said, we, we've got to stay in touch with the urban. They do fine with the suburban market. In a place like Hamilton, I think they're still doing fine. But in Toronto, are they still relevant to those people who live downtown, live in those condos? Uh, maybe you're not married, uh, or, or maybe they don't have children. They don't want their piece of suburbia. Is it still relevant for them? And that's where I think they need to pick up the socks a little bit. Uh, will Tim Hort or Tim Bit cereal be here a year or two from now? <laughs> well, uh, let me let me hedge my bets a little bit. I there guess is that a, is a good way to get the younger demographic interested in the brand. Really, really younger demographic. Yeah, really, really younger. So there is a cereal out there today called Nestle Quick cereal. You may have grown up with Nestle Quick yep. when you wanted a cup of hot chocolate or or even cold chocolate. Mix it into your milk. And they've put this out as a cereal, and kids seem to love it. So if we think of Timbit cereal as going after the kids' market, I think there is a chance it will survive. I'm not sure about the birthday cake version of it. 
I think kids kind of like the chocolate version of things. But again, they're experimenting with it. Uh, in terms of the adult market, it doesn't solve anything. Uh, most people after the age of, oh, say, 15 or 16, they're just so busy in the morning, they want to grab and go with food. So a granola bar, I would think Tim Horton's granola bars or mm. breakfast bars would be a much better way for them to go if they're going after the adult market. Certainly the students I teach at the university, the idea of having a sit-down breakfast, you know, very, very few of them do it. They're much more about eating something on the run, perhaps on a go bus, a go train, whatever it happens to be. I think if Tim Hortons were to come in that other direction, that that grab-and-go kind of food, as I say, like a granola bar, I think that would pay out more for them. But, again, I don't like to curse the darkness. They're experimenting. Maybe people will really love this cereal, and maybe it'll be here. But, it, actually, I wouldn't be shocked if it's gone by May. Maybe they should have a brand version for the adults. Uh, could. <laughs> could <indeed. laughs> yeah, or, call it the double-double or something like that. There you and, go. Marvin Riders are with his business professor to Groot School of Business, McMaster University. Tim Hortons releasing Timbit cereal. Marvin, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Anytime, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.